2: welcome to wood talk now here are three guys who like to use a lot of words yet say nothing at all mark shannon and matt what's happening everybody it's show number 559 and on today's show we're talking about prefab cabinets should you like in rail <laughs> construction setting <laughs> grinder angles and router bit safety But before we get to that We want to let you know that Wood Talk is brought to you by Rockler Rockler has been helping customers create with confidence for over 65 years Rockler is giving away a $250 gift card to one lucky Wood Talk listener Enter for your chance to win before November 30th at rockler.com slash woodtalk Oh yeah, that's me I was just daydreaming Good job <laughs> every, every episode,
0: I wonder, is he going to get it this time? No, no, no <laughs> that was nope. I was One thinking day. of my question I got to answer at the end of the show. If you want to help support the show, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash woodtalk and signing up to become a patron of the show. This time we're thanking Billy Peterson, Nick Kudemeyer? Kudemeyer? I don't know. Alexander Klein, Ron Burton, and David Murphy. Appreciate the uh, the support, everyone. Okay, so
2: before we get to our What's on the Bench segment, we got a little bit of kickback here. Um, one thing I'll, I'll mention here before this. So a gentleman named Joe stopped by the shop, and he bought some sandpaper while he was here. Backsidesandpaper.com, if you're interested. And nice guy. And he, he tells me something. It, was, it blew my mind. He goes, so by the way, you guys read my review on the show. This was the Joe that gave us a one-star review and said how much he <laughs> loves the show. That's awesome. Do you guys remember that? <laughs> yes. Absolutely. He goes, he goes, "I heard that." He's like, "No, there's no way I did that." And he went back and checked and he couldn't find any way to change the star rating to correct it, so it just is what uh, it is. That's <laughs> great. They're like it was you. That's awesome. So yeah, we had a good laugh about no, that. No. You can't change it now, Joe. It's out <laughs> no, there. It's awesome. Yeah. We read uh, it as part of Wood Talk Lore. Yeah. I don't think those reviews do anything anyway, so who cares? But it was a no. it was a lot of fun. We had fun with it. Yeah. uh shannon you want to get, get this next piece of kickback here because it's about you Yay! uh he's just uh just
1: finished joe says i just finished listening to episode 558 suck it flat which features an update on all things plywood by shannon how was that by me <laughs>
2: uh you did most of the talking like we were Mark's talking idea. about the problems with with plywood and
1: i will say that mark said shannon tell us about it but that's i all. did i invited so it's Mark's the fault. pain it, it's Mark's fault. As always, this is Joe talking. I learned a lot from Shannon's experience and knowledge of the lumber industry. And as sometimes happens, his answers were a little bit, um, lengthy. When this happens, I worry that Matt and Mark will lose focus. (laughs) As a result, I, I created a tool to help you guys stay engaged and have fun at the same time. Shannon bingo. I think I would call this Shannon drinking game. (laughs) I've attached the card below. So we have, you know, your typical, I'll, I'll, we'll put this in our show notes. Um, uh, But uh, let's see. It's a grid, you know, your free space, just a little picture of me. It says, we love Shannon. (laughs) I love that. Uh, Your options are, so any, anytime I say these things, you put your little chip on here. So we have dead flat, Lee Nielsen, Lee Nielsen. Really? I don't feel I say that a lot. Some of these I'm not sure about. Yeah. Osmo, that one's good. Oh Lord. Lazy nurses. To be uh, fair, we, I don't think I've ever said lazy nurses.
2: No, no, no. We don't we don't have to read the whole thing either. I think uh if you have a couple of favorites, pick 'em and then we'll put this in the show notes if people want to play along because it looks like it's gonna be fun.
1: Astragal? Nice. Substrate, that's an interesting one. Yeah. Bound, bound moisture, moisture. <laughs> nice use case yeah i can see that yeah some, that's that's some my day I'm job like, talking yeah, right there
2: he
0: says this every just episode
2: yeah well th- i think honestly I, if i you like did that this it, for all of yeah. us we probably all have those like vocal habit things I, that we i was to do.
0: actually just gonna
1: say joe <laughs> i challenge you to come back with uh, uh a matt and a mark bingo because i yes, think that please. would be that would be really fun, and I think it would be fun for the audience to play along. Yeah. You know, maybe we should start offering these cards uh, as Patreon <laughs> like rewards.
0: That. Get, you, get a your free confused, laminated. Though, like where the where is invariably? Uh, Why is that not I'd on been, here?
2: Invariably oh, is a good oh, one. Oh, I thought Fleam? it was on there. Fleam angle? That's another. That's maybe that's another what good one. he meant.
1: Maybe that's what he meant by inherently. I feel like I say invariably much more than inherently. Although I feel like I say invariably less because now I'm like worried about it. thinking about it? Yeah, I
2: think... Um, <laughs> like,
0: people have gotten into there. my
1: head. I actually, like, <laughs> the inner monologue is running. I was like, you can't say that.
2: Yeah, you I do even do that at work. Pick a different word. Terrible.
1: <laughs> No, this is I do great. find it funny that hand tool school is on here because I often get told that I don't promote my stuff enough. Well, he's Although also it is put interesting. Guild.
2: He put guild on there too. You don't say guild very often. Uh, probably not in the context of going your guild to a guild yeah. or something. I was going to
1: say there was a while there where I was teaching. Yeah. I did like 57 guilds in one summer. Yeah. <laughs> so I said that a lot. I wasn't referring to the guild.
2: <laughs> right. All right. Yeah, we'll move changing. on here. I got one from uh, Jordan <laughs> Kelly it says I was watching a slightly aged Tom Hanks movie. The money pit. That is, that's a great movie. It's Classic a real good film. Movie. And it turned out to be a pretty informative show on proper remodel techniques and most importantly, proper table saw techniques. What do you guys think? So he has a little screen cap. We'll also put that in the show notes for you guys. It is a picture of someone doing a cross cut, two handed, on a portable table saw, one hand on each side acting as the, the miter gauge. So this picture is is funny. I think this is something that you might not just see in the money pit. You might just nope. see it on any job site.
1: Yeah, I've seen this on job sites. <laughs> Pretty much everywhere. Yeah, right, right next to the guy spraying lacquer while smoking. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yes. I mean, yeah. this is what happens. Um, I don't think there's really, I, frankly, you would think it's like, oh, well, this is just like those advertisements where you see someone using a miter saw from the back. Yes. They take, right. Because they don't know what they're doing with it. <laughs> and it's, ah, ha, ha, very, very funny. I actually think this is very realistic.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's super common. It's
2: not great. But it's super common. <laughs> so, and, it is and, it and is. the
0: crazy
1: thing is, there's a lot of people who do this because they're quite successful with it. Like, yeah. they've been doing it that way without incident, like for for years. And you just wonder, like,
2: how? How? Yeah. Well, they're that look, good. They're I that mean, good. There's Sean. a certain amount I guess, of yeah. There's a manual dexterity thing, right? Like, you go to a circus, you see people throwing knives at other people. <laughs> Eventually, <laughs> some people just get good at things that are dangerous, <laughs> and it's totally uh, fine. Cross-cutting recommending- freehand
1: on a table saw is like throwing knives in a circus. I totally, like it's exactly the That'd same. thing. That'd be a good just, show title if it wasn't so long.
2: I'm just saying, people get skillful. What we don't see at the circus is how often somebody gets stabbed. Right. So th- these
0: things are going to happen. <laughs> that's <hospital>. rehearsal.
2: <laughs> right. <or>. Exactly. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah,
0: the right, like, like, cut on here is that's like that's a pretty straight cut. He's following that line like dead on straight, perfect. Yeah. Yep. There is nothing wrong with that cut. I have to say that part about this picture is like I'm impressed by how accurately that cut is actually following that line.
2: I'm impressed by the fact that there's very seems to be very little tear out, you know? There's no zero clearance insert. He's probably using a, a high tooth count blade. So I mean, there's a lot going on <laughs> well, that's right it's in the this
0: top. Picture. It's the top side of the cut. So you would yeah. see less on that side at least. But still, show, us, mean, the, show us your bottom. Show us the bottom, <laughs> baby. You want to really impress right us. There.
1: There's your show title. <laughs> show us your bottom.
2: Okay. All right. Let's get to what's on the bench. I got a cat who I haven't seen in a while and he thinks it's playtime now. So I don't know if you guys are hearing that, but he's bugging me. Okay. What's on the bench for me? I just finished Nicole's closet. I finally hammered this thing out. Yeah. I mean, this was months in the making. Uh, you know how it goes here. Like, there's lots of other stuff distracting. Unfortunately, just, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, than just the project. <laughs> uh, but finally, the project was done. There's a little bit, you know, just a little fine-tuning things that still need to happen. Um, we're doing a kitchen remodel soon, and we have a, a bar top that's just a, probably like an inch and a quarter granite that would be a shame to just see it like go into a landfill somewhere. So I'm going to take one of those pieces and repurpose that as the top for the chest of drawers that's in the closet. So that still has kind of, it's got the plywood Mm. top on it, so it doesn't look great. But for now... I think that's, uh, it's going to have to be what it is until we get this kitchen thing going. Totally happy with it. Had some, you know, lessons learned. This is not my forte. It was uh, definitely an experience. But I have a lot of other places in the house where I'd like to either redo a built-in or put a new built-in in that spot. And this was definitely a confidence builder that like, all right, like I've seen how things can go wrong. I've seen how to prepare what I could do better next time. Um, and I feel pretty confident about it. So this was a good learning project for me. But most importantly, Nicole now has a place to put her stuff because that was a real problem in this that's house. that's important. Very very important. And someone's like mentioned something in the comments on one of the videos about how, you know, like which which shelves are mine and I'm like that's generous of huh. you. to think that any of those shelves would be mine.
1: (laughs) I have a little Walmart fabric cube in the corner.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I I think on the bottom shelf, I did see one of my pairs of sneakers that were accidentally placed in that room. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure that'll be corrected today. See, I don't have (laughs) any
0: space in our closet at all.
2: No, I have have a dresser. so my chest of drawers that I made ages ago in the guild. That is all mine. Um, And that's it. (laughs) That's really it right now, so uh, I don't really we have a have lot similar of I mean, lives. Look guys. I mean, not, <laughs> yeah. not exactly a, a fashionista over here. Not really, not really a hang bar kind of guy, Mark. <laughs> no, there's nothing <laughs> to hang. Oh man. Anyway. Nice. So that's, that's, uh, uh, that's it for me. Shannon, what about you?
1: I'm just going to say I'm having finally a triumph in multitasking Ooh. things, things at the, at the day job have been really, really crazy. Cause we're trying to launch a whole product line and it's been a lot of long hours. It's really fun. Um, also, of uh, All those years where I barely applied any finish in my own shop, karmic balances is is coming back to me because I've been doing nothing but applying finish for about a month and a half straight, like 40, 50 hours a week applying finish in various shades and colors and testing all kinds of different manufacturers. And I got to say commercial finishing equipment is so cool. Like six (laughs) head sprayers and flood coders and things like that. But long story short, I, Like my big, my big what's on the bench is I glued up a tabletop. (laughs)
2: Like, <laughs> nice.
1: I'm, I'm, I'm lucky to get like five minutes here, or five minutes there. So I've really zeroed in on organizing my time in the shop and trying to maximize the five minutes here, five minutes there. And, you know, it involves, it's kind of funny because it probably involves 10 minutes of like planning for five minutes of shop time. But the 10 minutes of planning I can do like while I'm driving to work or like in a spare moment on like a Trello board or something at work. And then when I get home, it's like, I know exactly what I need to do. But uh, yeah, my my big triumph of the week was I was finally able to glue up a tabletop for a coffee table. Nice. I have four projects in process right now in my shop, which is just terrible. I really got to do something about that. Well, and what it, the the this may not work, but the plan is like I'm doing little by little on some of these projects because it actually makes it easier to move them around. Like instead of having a bunch of boards loose, now they're one tabletop and it's going to make it <laughs> a lot easier to stick it somewhere. So I'm, I'm kind of like cleaning and like, Oh, well, since I'm holding these boards, let's glue cool them together and make one board. So, okay. Now the table for that coffee ta- or the top for the coffee table is done. I can set that aside and come back to it in, you know, a week or whatever, but it's been a challenge, but in some respects, kind of a triumph. I talk about this. Uh, get out your bingo cards, folks. I talk about this in the hand tool school a lot, like planning your time because yeah, everybody's got this problem. Like, you know, they work at you know their job all day. They've got kids and things. And it's like, I got five minutes in the shop and you just kind of stand there and you spend five minutes going, hey, where was I? you know, what I do now. And then like you're allotted 10 minutes is you're seven minutes into it when you finally start working. So the idea of like breaking down your projects into manageable tasks and, you know, keeping an actual physical list. I'm a big proponent of like the pen and paper because there's something very satisfying about crossing it off, you know, and it's, it's hung on the, on the wall in my shop and it's been effective. I am, I'm, it's slow, but I'm making forward progress on all four of these projects at the same time with like five to 10 minutes a day. So yeah, not a whole lot to show for it, but I feel fulfilled and content <laughs> that at least I'm moving ahead. It's nice. That <laughs> oh, in- inherently sounds uh, like a good
2: use case for bound moisture. Yeah, oh,
1: invariably it's it's a good move, but quite yeah. the
0: substrate you got going on. <laughs> it certainly yeah. is
1: actually speaking of substrates, I'm using Tasmanian um, Tasmanian blackwood on this. Um, I've never I would only ever turned oh, really? it before, but I was talking about koa on the. Lumber update podcast and i was saying that australian or tasmanian blackwood is almost a dead ringer for koa i'm liking this stuff i've turned it a bunch of times for pens but to me that doesn't really count um as far as like workability and things <laughs> no just turning like you know it's harder it's soft and you know you can get away with a lot on a lathe but actually like cutting joiner into it and planing it it's a really nice wood to work substantially mm-hmm. cheaper than koa too
0: nice bonus all right, Matt. What do you got going on? <laughs> I'm uh, I'm still plugging away on cabinets. I got the uh, the cabinets I had made a couple of weeks ago installed, so those are kind of in place and off the list. One of the, I guess, the nice benefits of this project is like once I slam the cabinet together, I just put it in the house. So I'm not, I'm not like filling my shop with finished things, mm-hmm. which is kind of a nice plus. So I got those installed, and then one of the videos I were planning on doing like a long time ago when Donovan was here and we're still doing all the framing was to have him come out with this portable CNC and like cut some of the cabinets and see what that's kind of like. So we did that this week and that was pretty cool. He set up the CNC. Like I pulled my workbench out of the shop and we slapped the CNC right where the workbench would have gone. And we cut all the, uh, the cabinets for the pantry, which was interesting to see. Yeah. Different. To make you want one. Uh, I don't know. It was, it was okay. I, I don't know. It's like it would be cool, but like I also kind of like cutting the wood myself. Yeah, you know how I, you mm-hmm. know kind of like uh, like yeah. if I was doing like a, if I was doing this, like I'm gonna sell cabinets now, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, for sure. Right. Like I just gotta make a few cuts on some plywood and put some. I mean, yeah. the nice part was like it did all the line boring, like mm-hmm. that all being integrated into the panel already done. I mean, if you're going to do drawer slides, it could drill all the pilot holes for the drawer slides. You so just, you just put them Ooh, on right away go. without just having to do those, any kind of like, alignment. Just of getting jigs them or located anything.
2: ahead of time like that is nice.
0: Yeah. So like, it's all taken care of. But it's like you spend all the time, like you put the time in up front at your desk on the computer. Right. Where I'm like, I spent enough time at my desk on my computer that, like, when I go in the shop and finally cut stuff and actually work, I'm like, oh, thank God, I'm finally out here doing something. Yeah, for sure. I would. I still want to have one, just because I want to be able to learn and do that kind of stuff. But I don't think I'd be cutting cabinet parts on a CNC. I'd be trying to cut other things, doing weird stuff, cutting joinery or cutting you know curves, part, curve parts, or things like that. I think that would be really valuable to have. But I don't have any interest in building cabinetry. Yeah, in the future ever again. Well, yeah, well, you well,
2: already said you don't work with plywood much to begin with, anyway. So it wouldn't right. be you know too useful for you for that.
1: Honestly, okay. the 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 use case. That I find most compelling is what you just said. Like, see, now I'm going to find reasons to put these words in, but like locating um, shelf pens or Mm -hmm. like locating hardware on drawer fronts. You know, imagine a chest of drawers, and those have got to be exactly in a line and exactly spaced, or it's so obvious. Yes, you can use dividers, and there's all kinds of ways to do it, but, like, it's so much easier to do in a computer model because it, like, snaps to, like, the center of the drawer. You can set the spacing and, you know, divide by however many drawers, and it does all that. That, to me, like... If I could just throw all my parts on that and have
0: it do that stuff, that'd be fantastic. Yeah. One of the components we cut was the back panels because the, the pantry cabinets are just like open shelving essentially. So the back panel is uh, V V groove paneling. Mm -hmm. And we did all the math in the computer to put the V groove evenly. Like it's, it's supposed to be a six inch V groove, but like in reality, like the box could be a little bit different than that for the Mm -hmm. actual space. So we actually divide up the actual dimension to like an even number of spacings, and then had the CNC cut all the V's, nice, at the exact cool. spacing, all parallel to each other, and I'm not worried about like, okay, how do I, how am I going to do this in the shop manually mm-hmm. to like get them all lined up perfectly and cut them all nice and pretty? Yeah, it's just done.
1: Yeah, but you're right. There's a lot on the for on the latcher like, computer. Like like that would be very bad for me. <laughs> All all of my, when I build a project and like I have to create a a model to go with it because you're like selling the project or whatever. I have so much work to do after I've built the project because like my SketchUp model is basically just a couple of boxes for proportions. You know, there's no joinery. Mm -hmm. There's many times there's no individual parts. It's just like a a, a three-dimensional box that I like just extruded. You know, there's my case. It's like the (laughs) amount of work that I have to do to clean up the model like let alone have a CNC be able to interpret it yeah. that would be that would be a nightmare to for make me. It's
2: accurate. It reminds me yeah. of um that Cabinotch company that mm-hmm. I used for cabinets and interestingly enough one of the questions we have later uh, I'll talk about that a little bit more but being able to just kind of have these RTA cabinets ready to go all the joinery and everything is located perfectly and all the little interlocking pieces are located perfectly it can be nice it's cool to see people who like Who know what they're doing with that and who can just Mm -hmm. kind of batch this stuff out like it's nothing cool all right well you guys know who else had jack plane substrates cupping and lazy nurses wow (laughs) just got like just got like four in one shot there
0: that's pretty good
1: (laughs) i I would appreciate rockler to take some of the lazy nurse heat (laughs) maybe how about i read this mid-roll
2: then
0: okay (laughs) sounds good mark
2: Thank you. It's all you. Take it away. Been working hard on it. Uh, the best gifts are the handmade <laughs> gifts. Rockler... <laughs> put together a handmade (laughs) gift guide that includes all the tools and supplies that you need to make gifts for your friends and family. The guide includes over a hundred free plans so that you can get inspired to make the perfect gift. You'll also save on top gift making supplies during their handmade gift sale. Get a jump on the holidays. You know, it's coming up soon. This is that time of year where you go, I'm going to make some stuff for the holidays. And then you go, yeah, well, Christmas is far away. I got plenty of time. I don't usually start that for another three months. Yeah, right. And then you're Christmas Eve. You're waiting for finish to dry. You're you're on forums going, "What's the fastest drying finish?" Uh, Or calling Rockler finish at all?
0: (laughs) Can I finish with glue?
2: Yeah, that one works well. People do that. (laughs) Well, look, you can find everything you need at Rockler.com. We're going to put a link in the show notes to the handmade gift. Uh, guide that you could take a look at. And of course, on, uh, I don't know, are they open on Christmas Eve? Maybe on the 23rd. If you need some finish and you need something that dries fast, go to your local Rockler and they'll be able to hook you up. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You could buy a lot of gift kits for $250 gift card that you might win.
2: Yeah, that's true. Okay, we've got a voicemail and we're going to try to figure this out for Mr. Alex.
1: Hello, Mark, Matt, and
0: Shannon. My name is Alex Klein. And I currently... and I actually live in Voorheesville, New York. I can't do an accent. I'm in the process of trying to build a <laughs> uh, Wormwood-like gaming table with a magnetic rail in it. And I'm trying to figure
2: out how best to attach the legs to the actual rails of the table. Now, I've looked at hardware, like cam hardware and things like that. But there's nothing
0: really that works that I think would be substantial. And I can't find the hardware that Wormwood uses on their tables. So if you guys have any suggestions for how I'm supposed to connect
2: the rails to the table and make it look good and not have hardware exposed, please let me know. Besides, I'm mortise and tenon. Also, Matt's the best one out of all of you. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> all right. So since this is your buddy, Matt, why don't you yeah. answer this question? There you I'm go. i trying to look up you, what Matt. the heck a wormwood table is. Are you Googling it right now? I am right now. W-Y-R-M. Yeah. So worm. they're one of those cool oh. uh, gaming peripheral gaming uh yeah, you know, just go to the guild and buy the
0: gaming table build
2: right there you go yeah you, you ask me about that one i can answer that question
0: <laughs> that's the extent of gaming tables that i know
2: watch <laughs> so Mark well I'm,
0: one. I'm assuming they flat pack
1: like in order to ship so i'm, I'm guessing it's all knockdown, and that's what he's trying to emulate here
2: so i guess well he said no more in his voicemail right
1: mm-hmm.
0: he didn't say why
1: yeah uh, just kind of threw song. that into the end
0: I guess I'm just confused, like, what – it looks just, it just looks like a normal rail and leg thing, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, it does well, to me. I had
1: to dig – I guess the magnetic rail thing, that's to, like, attach accessories to the outside. Right. I didn't – that wasn't uh, – I, I didn't get that at first because they say that, like, our, our <laughs> magnetic rail thing, but they don't really ever actually say – why <laughs> yeah
2: and is it the modular table or is it the uh prophecy gaming table one is hexagonal and it's, the other yeah. is like a tr- are we traditional we're we going table. back to talking about knockdown hardware now is that what we're doing i think well, it's got to really be matter right he said no more is intended i'm guessing for whatever reason he needs it to be knocked down solutions for knockdown that are you know more robust i mean there's a lot of shop made solutions if you look into Workbench builds that feature removable rails. I know the split-top Rubo does this where you're using those big uh, barrel nuts and bolts. Mm -hmm. That's all stuff that would happen on the inside um, to secure them. That's one option. Festool, if you want to spend a whole lot of money on the gear to do it, um, Festool's connector system, especially if you go for like the DF700, the big boys. I did a bunk bed with that, and those things are rock solid. Uh, It's just a matter of like, you got to have the right tooling and they are not cheap. Anything else you guys can think of? I mean, there's tons. Whenever you buy commercial furniture, you find tons of this, like a lot of it's not great, but you'll find a lot of different ways that legs and aprons are connected to one another in a non-permanent fashion. Lots of ways Yeah, like those,
1: those angle bracket type things that, um, like you put like a hanger bolt into the leg. Mm
2: -hmm. Right, Exactly.
1: Um, well, actually, you know what? Go to rockler.com <laughs> and search knockdown hardware. And, yeah, they got a whole bunch of stuff here. Variations on, <clears throat> um, you know, uh, cam lock type stuff. um yep. Those, they like, brackets, Z-clip type looking thingies. Corner brackets. Yeah, all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. I still say, like, if you don't make a full mortise and tenon, like, the idea of a stub tenon to locate the piece... Mm-hmm. Is so key, like, and it can be a relatively not a loose fit, but like a loose friction fit, so that it locates, and then you screw it down. So, like, it does it prevents it from like shifting around while you're locking the the rail
2: in there. I mean, at the very least, dowels or something for locating, right? Yeah, some
1: sort of wood to wood thing. But then the other thing you have to ask is like, yes, wormwood does it for shipping, but like once you've assembled this gaming table, how often are you knocking it down? So like semi knockdownable like pocket screws like i mean you could pocket screw the rails into the legs and technically that's knockdown
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> you know
1: yeah. i mean it's i i always say that like like how often are we knocking this stuff down like if it's a piece of dorm room furniture for your kid yeah. that might make a lot more sense cuz you're moving it you know every year but Could be apartment living
0: too. That's you know. Yeah, that's true. It's true. There is, if you want to go on the commercial hardware side, there are the knockdown corner brackets. So the rails are just essentially connected together, and then the legs bolt into the bracket. So the rails are never actually physically attached to the legs at all. They connect through the bracket. So you can buy those. That's another option, or you can make your own with like just put a piece of wood there on an angle to connect the rails together, and you can bolt your leg in from the back. That's another this. This is not a new thing. Yeah. Yeah. People have figured it
2: out. It's just, you got to look into it. I mean, and and you talk to the three of us, we're typically making these permanent structures. Most of the time, we're not as well versed in uh, the knockdown stuff as others might be.
1: Years ago, I made a a big armoire and it had those like cam nut things like you you would find in, in really cheap furniture. Mm -hmm. But I actually, I I think it was Rockler or the other Rockler that I bought it from. Mm -hmm. Um, and it held together, like this was a big piece of furniture. Um, it held together just fine for 20-some years. As long as you um, don't move it,
2: everything's great. Yeah, right. <laughs> no problem. I had a couple pieces of furniture like that that were, um, you know, with the cam bolts, and it's like, oh, it's fine as long as it's sitting still. But if you make the mistake of trying to drag it
0: across a carpet, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then you're in real trouble. Yeah, that's a problem. So, Ro- Rockler sells that uh, hardware that I was talking about. Okay, so there we'll we put go. a link to that. It's just like a plate you put on the back and then you can bolt your leg to it. And there you it go. Yeah, throw that in the notes. Yeah, the yeah,
1: I saw that.
2: Yeah, that was... Good, good deal. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, you could also ask um, the Wormwood people. I'm sure they'll tell you exactly what they use. They probably would. Maybe they'll know, just they'll send you like a couple whatever. of
0: them. Here's a sample? <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, who knows? They may, I mean, a company like that, they may have something custom, you know, that they do that you're not going to be able to find elsewhere. It's okay. 3D printed. That's Could what be. you should do. 3D
1: print your hardware. Mm-hmm. Be awesome.
2: Yep. All right, let's get to some questions from uh, other people that did not leave voicemail. So Bob <laughs> Bob wrote in. He says years ago when Mark was moving into a new shop, Colorado, maybe, he talked about ordering prefab. <laughs> cabinet bases instead of building them and just installing the face frames, doors and drawers. I'm moving into a new space and think that this would be the way to go. Is that the way to go or is that the way that you would go? (laughs) Uh, If yes, any recommendations preferably in the Pacific Northwest to keep shipping costs down. So I don't personally have any recommendations. The company I used was Cabinotch and that's an internet based thing. You could just order them. Um, Shipping is a little bit expensive, but when you look at the overall costs, of what's going on here and the labor it's saving you, it might be worthwhile so I like them they're they're okay though don't don't make the mistake of thinking these are as good as cats. I like them they're okay. <laughs> it's kind of my description for this experience every every month that I do with them guys.
0: I like them they're okay they're okay.
2: the bar is just that low yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> so they 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 actually are pretty good but it's made with like everything's half inch so this is you know you would think in terms of a bank of cabinets where as a whole, it tends to be a pretty solid structure, but not quite as good as, you know, if you're making an independent cabinet that's going to just kind of stand alone where we might use three quarter for shop furniture, that's going to be a little bit more durable and stand up to the use and abuse a little bit better. So it worked, it did the job, but the other thing to keep in mind here, aside from price, price is like, it's it's going to be expensive, but you're, you're being lazy and you don't want to build them, so you have to expect the price to be out there. The thing I don't really like about the Cabinage specific stuff is if I'm using this for shop furniture, these are actually intended for kitchen and bathroom use for regular home use. And the way those cabinets are designed, just the accommodations, the type of frames that they develop for them, it's a little bit different than what you might do. So if you're thinking about making shop cabinets, you may not want the standard, you know, lower cabinet door and then upper drawer. Mm. Um, And especially when face frames are involved, you tend to lose a lot of capacity. We're in a shop, we can just kind of make a very bare bones structure. Um, You can go frameless very easily, save a lot of space, and you end up with a more durable, bigger compartment sort of design. It's just like if you go to Home Depot and you see they have like the prefab cabinets that are already ready to go and you look at them and the cabinet doors are like, you know, raised panel doors. I don't think those look really good in a shop personally they look like kitchen cabinets that someone put in a shop so i think if you're looking at the arrangement and, and it's all customizable to a degree it will still look like something that belongs in a kitchen as opposed
0: to something that belongs in a house with those ones just out of curiosity how much customizing can you do like not a lot size size wise it's just like your standard okay here's a 18 here's a 24 here's a 36, that's it?
2: Yeah, you can pretty much, no, I think you can get actually more granular than that in terms oh, okay. of sizing. Um, but in the end, the thing still, you're limited to, how do I describe it? Like you see like a blank image that says, I want a cabinet that looks roughly like this. And then you go in and you kind of can tweak some of the, the
0: measurements on that. Um, but it, it's still going to have a top bank and uh, then a lower bank, which could be doors or it could all be yes. drawers or, okay. Yeah, exactly. For your, for your base units.
2: <laughs> yeah. And the thing but then is- you're, so,
0: And you're stuck at what, 24 deep? Or they have very I think you can change that as well.
2: Um I don't know. Really? I haven't really changed the depth very much on these things. I mean, keep in mind, I didn't make um I didn't do the bottoms, I only did the tops. Uh because yeah, you're a top. I'm a top. Um because <laughs> I'm just gonna let that one go. Yeah. Um Oh well, you yeah. didn't. No, you're right. I said I said something <laughs> that made it so that I didn't let it go. What the hell's wrong with me, Matt?
0: What is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? I'm not gonna you, answer right? that. There's a lot wrong with me.
2: Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> So. In Arizona, when I got the, the shop done there, I did, in that case, go with um, bottom cabinets on that. I just didn't like the way that they looked. So then when I moved, I only had uppers done when I went to Denver just because I did okay. the miter station. And I didn't feel like making the upper cabinets. Didn't really need them to be too fancy. So I was able to just kind of like convert them. I didn't, I didn't get the face frames done. I just kind of went frameless and then I put slab doors in front okay. of them. And that, it worked just fine. So the upper saved me a lot of uh, time there. But you know, the thing is Matt, you're doing this with your kitchen. If you're making shop cabinets and I am guilty of it. I bought this cabin stuff. Is it really that hard? Like, is there really, especially if we're just talking about the shells, we're not even talking about the drawers, the doors, things like that. We're just talking about the, the casework. I mean, is it really that hard? And especially with the cost and the quality drop that you would have. I, I'm finding it having done this in the past, finding it very difficult to recommend someone does this if they have the tools and space to do it themselves.
1: I'm glad you said that. Cause it's kind of what I've been thinking this whole time. And I've been kind of biting my tongue because <laughs> I, I did this when I first moved into my shop. It was really easy. More importantly, because I didn't need the niceties, I just went frameless and I was able to fully customize. Well, the first thing is like when you're buying modular cabinets, you're buying like a base unit and a top unit and you can slightly customize its width or things like that. But I built like cabinets to fit the space. So if I had a 60 inch long space, I used a 60 inch piece of plywood for the bottom and I used like adjustable feet. Matt, I think I saw you using, um, some adjustable cabinet feet in your Instagram. Um, I bought them at Rockler by the way. Um, and you know, I had killer support and you know, you could level it and everything. So it was super easy because, you know, I just cut out a, a 60 inch long by, I think it was probably 24 inch deep piece. And then it was just some dado work to break up the cabinets and throw thing on the top in fact i used probably two by construction material to run like braces across the top because then i put a countertop on top of that mm-hmm. super easy um and and so much faster because i wasn't taking a box and then setting it next to another box and stacking a bunch of boxes i just bought one big box yeah. now i couldn't move it around very much because it was super heavy once it was all done but what was you know why do i need to move it around you know yeah you know, plywood is expensive, but you're still buying plywood when you buy cabinets. You're still paying for the plywood. Maybe they're getting it cheaper because they're buying it by the truckload. But if it's your shop, this is what's really funny. shows <laughs> you where my priorities are. <clears throat> if it's your shop, like, I want it to be just right. Like, and I want to, I want to customize the spaces because I know that I'm going to put these tools here. Or yeah. I'm going to, you know, put a drawer of backside sandpaper in one spot. As whole you should. Drawer. You should have a dedicated an drawer for paper. Right. <laughs> that never gets opened in my shop. But, that you know, I wanted that, that you know, custom fit type nature. And it, it wasn't, dare I say it, it was fun. It was my yeah. shop. I was yeah. having a blast.
2: Yeah. I mean, when I made um, Nicole's Closet, after I did the, the big units were done, I still had two more pieces. One was an upper and one was a lower chest of drawers. And all we're talking about is the shell construction on this stuff. And when I was doing those, after it was done, it it would like it took me a few hours to get those together, and I'm like thinking to myself, just r- sort of recalibrating my thinking on this stuff when it comes to shop cabinets. I'm like, why would I ever do what I did before? The problem was, I could tell you at that time, with my mindset, I was so inundated with decisions at the time of building the dream shop. Yeah. After Mm -hmm. you do that, you have a lot of decisions to make, a lot of decisions about like outlet placement, like every little detail, trying to hammer that out. And then once I finally got in, I'm like, okay, now I'm going to spend a month building cabinets, right? And I was like, I don't feel like doing that. I'd really like to just make some regular furniture. So I wanted to fast forward the process. That's kind of like the mindset I was in at the time. But now... Just thinking about it now, I don't really see myself doing that in the future. I can give you an example here. So they have one cabinet. This is 24 inches wide, 34 inches high, depth is 24 inches, two adjustable shelves. I don't think I have a face frame on here just yet. So this would be like frameless, built-in toe kick. And this, again, is going to be all out of half inch. I don't know if they make the shelves out of three-quarter, but the, everything else is half inch. $190 for the mm. single single unit, and that doesn't include the shipping. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. So
0: once I once can, you start, I can see it if you're doing a whole kitchen. Yeah, but like yeah. For, for shop stuff, like I don't. It's real hard to justify. I don't know it. if it really makes sense for shop stuff, where yeah. it's like you want things to be non-standardized for your shop. Yeah, a kitchens a kitchen yeah. like it's just, the heights are standardized, the depths are kind of standardized.
2: would well, you guys see that link right. that I sent you where yeah. they basically give you this menu of prefab? arrangements of drawers and openings and you can't change that you can change the dimensions of those openings but if you want some custom you know shop I mean that's the thing shop stuff is just like a big ass bank of drawers (laughs) like a couple of doors right you don't there's not a lot of crazy variety you need there for shop stuff so I don't know hopefully that helps you uh, Bob maybe the bad news is we think you should just build them (laughs) but and I say that very hypocritically having purchased them in the past I'm fully aware of my hypocrisy here
1: um, I'm actually going to also say a little thing here. He says, pre- preferably in the Pacific Northwest to keep shipping costs down. Um, Matt, you can chime in on this because you're shipping a lot of freight lately. In my experience, it's more the weight that makes the shipping cost, not the distance that it travels.
2: Just the um, fact that I it mean, has to be certainly,
1: shipped at all? <laughs> like If it's going overseas, yes. But like you could probably pay very similar if it were shipping from the East Coast, Oregon, is if it were shipping from like Sacramento yeah. <laughs> to Oregon. Um it's all the weight. You know, the fact that they're moving the truck. I don't know. Have you seen anything, Matt? Like if you shipping stuff?
0: It's a little different. I mean it's like uh, let's let's take like a workbench kit for example. If I send a workbench kit to like, I don't know, like where Mark is, Central America, would be like two hundred and fifty bucks from here. Central America. <laughs> <laughs> that also means other things. <laughs> <laughs> i didn't know mark moved to costa rica <laughs> good for you you know essentially united states how's that is that better yeah, um it's quite warm today this versus going to like the pacific coast it'd be like 600 bucks so yeah. it's
1: hmm. okay I mean, and that may be like an ltl common carrier is, type thing yeah. which is what you have more experience with than me so all
0: right
2: anyway um, i found a company called pnw cabinets that does make cabinets. I have a feeling, though, when I look at this stuff, there's a little more, this looks a little more Uh, high-end. I don't know that that's, I don't know that's the route you want to go? Like, the, the people who actually service people who are shopping for their kitchen cabinets. Cabinage is a little bit more like the builder who wants to do certain things and wants to outsource those other things for the install that they're doing. So I don't know. Just uh, Google uh, RTA cabinets in in your area and see if you could find something that's a little bit closer. Because like you guys said, unless you can actually pick them up, you're really not going to save a ton on shipping. You're going to drop some money on shipping anyway.
1: Yeah. Okay. I will I will put the Cavanaugh link in the show notes for cool. those who are wondering what the heck how do you spell Cavanaugh? This is a question from Bob, different Bob, but another Bob. This is the Bob show. Yeah. Uh, he says, uh, thanks for doing this show and answering perplexing questions. I understand about putting a hollow grind on a chisel or plane iron, but my question is about adjusting the tool rest on the grinder to achieve the angle I want. It would seem the angle I would set the rest to would depend upon the thickness of what I am sharpening. And where do you measure the tool rest to the stone? This question made my head hurt a little bit trying to wrap my head around this. I, yes, you're correct. The thickness of what you're sharpening will affect the angle as will actually the diameter of your stone. You know, as the more you use that stone, the more that stone is going to shrink and it will change things. So what I do is I set, say it's a chisel. I will set the chisel like on the rest, like I'm going to grind and I put my angle setter on the back of the chisel. So the thickness is accounted for and I, you know, raise and lower, alter the angle of the tool rest until my bevel gauge sits where I want it to. I say that and then I think the last time I actually did this was probably 10 years ago. Um, yeah. because the actual angle matters very little. So I actually have, I, I pretty much have the same angle on most of my tools. Certainly all my plane irons are 25 degrees. I don't really mess around with that a whole lot. So it, pretty much my angle, my, my tool rest on my grinder hasn't moved in quite some time. In fact, I, I might need some like, uh, Rust blaster on the screw. At this point, it's been (laughs) set for so long, but the I I urge people not to get too caught up in the exact angle. Uh, I mean, a couple degrees here or there is not really going to make much of a difference. The issue comes into play like when you're using a honing guide and like something like the the Veritas MK2 that you're setting up at a bunch of different angles where you're dialing in like 25 or whatever. But most guides now don't really have like here is the number you're setting it to. You're setting the stone or setting the chisel on the guide and sliding it backward and forward until the bevel meets the stone and then you're good to go. And that's generally what I do. I've, I've often embraced what I call the Tormac method, which is probably not something they came up with, but use a Sharpie marker on your bevel, like color your bevel, And then hold, set the chisel on the tool rest and grind a little and see how much of the the marker you remove. And then you adjust the, the, the rest up or down, grind a little until that the markers are moved entirely from the bevel and you're good to go. What's the angle? I don't know. I don't care. And and if I'm maybe resetting the bevel, I'm specifically wanting to go to a higher angle or something like that. I suppose you could start to pull out a bevel guide at that point, but like if you're off by a couple of degrees, it's really going to make no difference. The difference is in the repeatability. Once you've set that bevel angle on that chisel, that plane blade, being able to do it again, and that's where that Sharpie marker thing comes into play. So yeah, I, I would say don't worry about it. <laughs> Don't pay any attention to the numbers, and 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 literally just hold the chisel in place, grind a little. Does it work? You know, did it hit everything? You're good to go. Mm-hmm. The only caveat to that being, if you haven't established a hollow grind before, um, it will take a little bit. Like if you're you you paint the bevel with the sharpie. Bless you, Mark. Thank um, you. <laughs> that until that hollow grind is set, it's not gonna the sharpie's not gonna be removed entirely. Um, but that really only takes like a couple seconds. Mm -hmm.
2: I like the theme of today's show is like anyone who asks us a thing that they want to do. We're like, do not do that thing. Don't do that. (laughs) Do this other thing. All right, Matt, you got some, uh, the only reason I say that is I got caught up in numbers
1: when I first started as well. I I first was very focused on getting the exact number. And then I slowly realized it matter.
2: Yeah. It makes no difference. Yeah. Okay, Matt. Anyway. Okay. I'm done.
0: Are you good? Yep. Okay. I'm good. Let's do it. This next one is from concerned woodworker. This is a, uh, a YouTube clip of somebody doing something potentially dangerous. Anyway, a kind of parent would name and, their kid concerned woodworker. Uh, it's ridiculous.
2: It's, Freaking millennials. That's who would. Am I, I right? Represent that. <laughs> I know. Well, I saw pictures of uh, your daughter. Little little router table. Beautiful child. Little <laughs> adorable.
0: <table. laughs> okay. Oh, it looks... Yeah, my, my older one, Shaper. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Shaper Jr.? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Everyone talks about table saw safety, and rightfully so, but other tools can be dangerous as well. In this video, a router is being used in what I would consider to be a tremendously dangerous fashion. Even worse... There's a guy in the comments saying you can grab a fluted carbide bit while it's spinning full speed and it will only be uncomfortable, but it won't cut you. Am I misunderstanding something or is the idea of grabbing a spinning bit with just your hand just insane? Uh, so my interpretation of the second half of this is because Hashtag in the video... my beer. They are uh they're making a tic-tac-toe game on the CNC where they cut out like a grid and then the pieces that go inside the little pockets mm-hmm. to make your game work and the router operations they're doing is putting a roundover on all the pieces. So I'm assuming that this guy in the comments is talking about grabbing a bearing guided router bit by the bearing, which just sounds stupid, but I mean yeah, don't do that. <laughs> Cause you're right there next to the spinning bits. But if for some reason you just happen to grab that bit perfectly by the bearing it wouldn't cut you, but it sounds stupid. Don't do this. This is
2: like, who was the first person that picked up, <laughs> I don't know, think of like an avocado. Something that looks like <laughs> it's actually poop, right? But you, someone decided, I'm going to try this one day, and they survived, and they told their yeah. friends, and now everybody loves guacamole. Oh, but yeah. who's the moron
0: that grabs a bit <laughs> to figure out if this is going to hurt or not? <laughs> I do not? I don't really know. I don't know why this this is some this, this is people arguing in the comments about safety. So this, this is where YouTube kind of comments. This like, is where it devolved yeah. to. about don't worry about it, it's fine if you grab the bit you won't get hurt. Which <laughs> uh, there's such a fine line where you won't get hurt that it's not worth it. Well Do not grab while spinning. I right.
1: I guarantee you like <laughs> like Freud and Whiteside Do have that in the their fine print.
2: If it's they don't, somewhere they do in now. their fine print. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> not intended for
0: skin contact. Oh, my gosh. <sighs> oh my All right, so the actual safety thing that we're actually talking about yeah. is the way that this is being done where the guy in the video has the router flipped upside down is sitting on the on his, on his workbench or his table or whatever, and he's doing his roundover operation that way. I'm going to say this is not... Like, it's definitely risky, but it's like I got to, like, bring back my level of, like, Expectations like we did with the Tom Hanks thing with the table saw. Mm-hmm. Like in my case, I would do this, but I had the benefit of having a leg vice right there, right where I'd be doing it. So router goes in the leg vice. It's a little baby router table now. Yeah. Not everybody mm-hmm. has work holding options to just randomly hold the router, t- baby the router, router down wherever on. it's going.
2: I'm confused. Baby router table, your daughter
0: or the actual
2: <laughs> thing? I have right.
0: a lot of kids. Okay. So, you know, <laughs> we'll just add another one on there. <laughs> leg vice router table yeah okay <laughs> i i gotta take a step back mentally and be like where the people are at meet people where they're at with where, what they have and this is probably something that's not that uncommon either Where especially that router is like a 1970s craftsman where, where it has a big flat top so <laughs> it's not like heavy a, and it's so it's not like a dome top where it's gonna rock everywhere and he's only doing a roundover, a small roundover, and it's on plastic so there's no like grain or anything so, yeah, there are safer ways to do this. I wouldn't do it this way, but also I wouldn't judge someone for doing it this way. Yeah, is my answer to this. Yeah, I think
2: most of the people who are complaining about it, they see that the rocker or the router is rocking slightly. Yes. it is like it's whatever the router top is is not completely dead flat, or maybe there's a cord or something, or just the he's pushing, to rock.
0: He's holding the edge of the pieces on there or whatever.
2: Yeah, I mean, it almost looks like it's on a towel or something with the kind of movement it has. But I've done this. I've done this with a router in the leg vice, secured with my little laminate trimmer. And totally agree, it's not the best way to do it. There are certainly better ways. But if you're doing that quick little eighth-inch round over, your actual amount of exposed blade is really, really limited. So I'm not, again, not saying that this is a great idea. I'm right there with you, Matt. This is something I've done in the right hands. It could be made safer But I don't know that I would say that it is an absolutely smart way to go, especially if things are tipping and moving. Um, You'd want that thing secured, and to turn it into a tiny little router table. Yeah,
1: I think we're missing an opportunity for a guest here—an opportunity to bring Matt Vanderlist back to talk about the Palm Router. Oh yeah, (laughs) yes. Yes. When when he took the Palm routing part literally (laughs) and had it dance on his palm. Yep. When we could ask him what it's like to grab a running um shot bit. <laughs> he would know and uh,
2: I think he would disagree with that other commenter. It was not
0: uh, it was very uncomfortable.
2: So doesn't here here's a good good plug for Rockler. They have a beautiful little uh, convertible benchtop router table.
0: Yeah. yeah, and I have it's thought
2: nice. about this so many times. The eighth inch roundover is w- like my go-to edge treatment. Almost every project gets it to some degree in some location. So I have a uh, laminate trimmer, just a little Milwaukee battery power. Daily works great for that. But you know what would be better is if I had just a standalone, small, doesn't take up a whole lot of room, little router table setup. That all it does all day long is that little roundover. That's a lot of like money to spend I, on something. I saw like it in that, the
0: store, and it was actually pretty slick because they actually have it where it's like you can have it wall mounted so it, like it folds up yeah. flat to the wall and then it flops down no, that's pretty cool or you exactly. can take it to the or you can take it to the workbench with the stand or you can take the top off the stand and like just clamp it to your table or use it a, No, you can flip it upside down and use it as a big uh base plate base yeah 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 i'm that's gonna recommend a kind that of it's a like a slick
1: thing it's like yeah. a gateway router table
2: <laughs> it really is well and but a, but either a gateway router table or router table B because you've already got one. And there we is, go. Yeah. Right. This yeah. is the one that just set up for that extra task. Um, I love this thing. So I'm going to have to see if, uh, if I can uh, get one of those for free because that's kind of guy. I am. Um, <laughs> I love I'm, I'm thing. just being honest. <laughs> Not enough to buy it, but <laughs> I'm just being honest here. <laughs> I'll buy oh, the router.
1: Lord. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> oh,
2: Look, I'm just doing it for the oh. audience. I want them yeah, to be yeah. safe, and I want You're them so to see. Selfless. I want them to see us doing safe things. That's oh, the reason yes. why. I, that's yes. why I need this for free. It's so selfless. <laughs> really, it's, it's a incredible. selfless thing, guys. Always thinking about other people. I'm put All right, my, my uh, plane. In it. I think that's going to do it for us today. Let's get yeah, it. Yeah, it's probably a good <laughs> probably place to wrap should. it up. That's <laughs> probably, probably should. Family-owned since 1954, Rockler is your go-to source for high-quality and innovative woodworking tools, finishing supplies, hardware, lumber, and expert advice. Whether you're building a simple bookshelf, a custom desk, or new kitchen cabinets, Rockler has everything you need to make your next project a success. Visit Rockler.com and use the code WOODTALK, all one word, to receive free shipping on most orders over $49. And remember to head to Rockler.com slash Woodtalk to enter for your chance to win a $250 gift card.
1: Yeah, use it to buy a convertible benchtop router to Do it. Or buy one for me yeah we're by, there you go yeah Great. we're gonna start a kickstarter Great. for mark to fund so go fund his me would be more right, outer top yeah
2: appropriate here it's when, when your
1: routers when your routers rocking or when the rockler's rocking yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh god folks if you're still listening at this point thanks we sorry really nothing else to say yeah we apologize <laughs> And, uh, please send us your questions so that we can have a more on point show than what we just had. Go to woodtalkshow.com. You can submit your questions there, or, you know, you can just email us or you can record a voicemail like, uh, Alex, Alex did earlier and uh, email that to woodtalkshow at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram. Margaret's doing a great job over there. Uh, Wood Talk Show. I just totally forgot what it was for a second there.
2: <laughs> Where am I?
1: What am I doing? Wood Talk Something? Wood to, yeah, it's on Instagram. You'll find it. And uh, yeah, we appreciate your questions. We love your questions. It we keeps indie. the show going.
2: All right. Well, thank you for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you next time.